Good morning, church. How are you this morning? Let me ask that question again. Good morning, church. How are you doing today? That's good. That's great. It's good to see you guys. Listen, I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Mark. We're going to be there today in a minute. Let me, is Scott Wyatt here this morning? He's not here, is he? See, he asked me last night at the ball game. I, I had to do that. Um, and Scott, maybe you're listening and uh, online. But Scott said, man, why can't you go to eat? I said, brother, look, I got to go home and at least think about what we're going to do tomorrow in church. I mean, don't you know that pastors do that thing at the last minute? I can't go eat with you. I got to go plan for tomorrow. He goes, no problem. He said, man, I'll speak for you. I said, all right. I said, that's good. I said, I'll just tell everybody God's laid something on your heart and you'll come share. But it jugger's not even here. <laughs> Scaredy cat, I guess. Man, look, I, I pray that you've had a great week this week. Amen. Anybody here with coronavirus that needs to leave right now? <laughs> Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. One day, one day there's a story to be told. Listen, as an old man, 80 years old, I remember the day we all found out about coronavirus. And so, uh, listen, um, at the end of our service today, we're going to celebrate uh, Sheila, uh, today some of you may know Sheila is, is retiring from Heritage, and uh, at the end of our service, we're going to do something special. We had an opportunity to celebrate her. The staff um, leadership had an opportunity back in December at our at our um, at our leadership party. I think that's where we all got COVID from, but um, all the kissing and hugging and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, um, we're going to celebrate. You were given probably a card when you came in. If you know Sheila, she's had an impact to your life. We'd love just to give you an opportunity to participate in that. Really important because at that leadership time that we have, there was a box that was given to her, a memory box. There's not a thing that we can give her um, that she needs besides words of encouragement and affirmation. And uh, those things are just so important. And so if you've got something that you'd like to be able to write down, we've got cards for you. If you don't have one of those, you can raise your hand and we'll get you one. But you can put it in one of these boxes as you're, as you're leaving today, and we'll make sure that she gets that. But we'll celebrate her at the end. The other thing that I want to say, listen, if you're signed up for the men's retreat, or if you've not signed up for the men's retreat, you need to sign up. Go ahead and get signed up. If you're not, if you've already signed up, I want you to know that we are, we'll be getting you some information this week that will bring you up to date on some details that we think are really in, important. So um, listen, if you've not been with us the past few weeks or um, maybe in a while, maybe today's your first time. Um, we've been in the middle of a series called Follow, Follow Me. Um, I, don't, I don't know if Brian mentioned that in the beginning of this service, but in this, we've been talking about what does it look like to follow Jesus? And we've been going back to the Gospels to, to look at stories that we find that not only talk to us just a little bit about what it looks like to, to be invited into that relationship with Jesus, but, but what else, that, what, is it that, what does it require? What, is, what are the expectations? What, is it, what does it look like? So we've been going back to the Gospels to, to find that. And some of you, my prayer is that when we're done here today, some of you may go, well, you know, I wish I would have heard something else. And there's a sort of just sort of... Um, maybe makes you want to go back and listen to something else or one of our services where we began this, you can do that online at the website or there's a podcast that you guys can be part of. But I pray that our time is just meaningful. Um, Meredith and I and the kids had a chance the other day, Friday night, to go spend some time with friends. We've not seen in a long time. You know, there's people that you just enjoy spending time with. I mean, there's no, there's no, just, there's no tension. There's just laughter. You got people like that. 
you know, you just enjoy getting with them because you have the ability just to laugh and just have a good time just, and just enjoy yourselves. And so we hadn't seen Mike and Dee in quite some time. And it reminded me of the story when, when Mike and I, um, Mike was still in college. He was a football player at Penn, and uh, he had come home for the summer. We got a chance to know each other. I was serving in a church that his mom and dad went to, and, and uh, we got to know each other. We, we started fishing together. And, you know, there's not very lot, a lot of things you can do in college because everybody's poor and broke, right? But as we fished, um, um, we, man, we just, we just enjoyed spending time together. And I t- you know, we would talk about having a boat. Neither one of us had a boat. Um, and so I, I taught Mike how, to, how, how hillbillies fish, okay? Well, when you don't have a boat, you just learn how to walk in the water and you wade around the lake. Well, Mike was always scared of snakes and alligators and all that. I said, man, you ain't got to worry about that kind of stuff. They're not going to mess with you. And so I, I toughened him up just a little bit. He's probably listening today. But, but anyway... Uh, well, we would always talk about what would it, would it be like to have a, have a boat. Well, I remember, now, and listen, this is way before cell phones, text lines, social media, and all that other kind of stuff. So the only way we had to communicate to each other was, you know, that phone that you'd mash the button or you'd, you'd do this, and, and getting in touch with people was a whole lot more complicated than what it is today. Some of you know what I'm, the kids are like going, what is he talking about? So, um, as a matter of fact, they knew on the hall when, when, when I was in college, listen, when 11 o'clock came on Sunday night, y'all better back off because it was Sid's time. That was when I called Meredith. I, I always saved up my quarters and I had $10 every other week. Meredith would call me one week, I'd call her the other week, and I would save up my extra quarters so I could have a little bit extra time. Those of you that were in that time frame, you understand why Sunday night at 11 o'clock, because the cost of a call went down. You remember that? It was like half price. So that was when it was my time. Guys, you're on the phone. You better get off, man. I'm coming after somebody. That's my phone at 11 o'clock. And so I remember, you know, Mike and I had had all these discussions, and then he, he, he communicates with me. He calls me. He said, man, you're not going to believe this. I said, what, what? He goes, I think I got us a boat. I said, what do you think you got a boat? He goes, look, my mom and dad got one of those, got a letter in the mail, and it said if they went to this thing, this little meeting, that they would receive one of these three prizes. You know, you get this. Some of you are laughing because you know what I'm talking about. You could get this, this, or a boat and a motor. And he goes, man, I'm all in. I said, what would your mom and dad say? He said, They're, you're crazy. You don't get anything for nothing. And I said, well, that's true. My mom and dad always told me that too, but it sounds pretty good. What are you going to do? He goes, well, I'm 18, and I can go, I can go sit in for him. So that's what I'm going to do. So he tells me when the date of this meeting is. And um, so, I mean, the date comes and goes, and I'm like sitting on pins and needles. Man, what's going on? What's taking place? I mean, did he get this boat and motor? He hadn't said anything. Maybe he's just being selfish. Okay. So finally I get in touch with him and I said, man, I said, what's going on? Why haven't you called me? Uh, well, that's not, you know, did you get the, yeah, I got it. You did. Well, what's it look like? Well, it's, I don't know, Sid, it's in a box. I go, what do you mean it's in a box? <laughs> he said, well, it's in a box. I said, a box. I said, boat and motors don't come in boxes. And he goes, I said, well, what kind is it? He goes, well, it's rubber. I said, rubber. Well, he said, maybe plastic, plastic. And I said, what about the motor, man? He goes, well, it's plastic too. I said, what do you mean plastic? He goes, well, it's plastic and it runs off an eight-volt battery. (laughs) There goes our dreams of fishing in a big boat, you know, and having a great time. But have you ever felt like you've been sort of like 
you know, you've been sold something that, you know, that really wasn't worth anything. Have you ever had somebody talk you into something that, that you're like going, eh, man, you just hoodwink me. How many times do we try to sell Jesus? You know, we want to tell other people about Jesus and, and yet we talk about all the benefits and all these other things, which there are plenty of benefits. But we never talk about the cost of what it is because, see, this is what I know that, that Sean, if you walk with Jesus long enough, this is what's going to take place in your life. You're going to come to recognize that there's a cost for following Christ. Are we on the same page? I want you to turn to the book of Mark today. I don't want you to look in chapter 8, and we're going we're gonna to be there today for a little bit, and I want to read a story to you. Because we want to talk about what does it look like to follow Jesus and a cost that might be incurred. Because how many of us come into a relationship with Jesus thinking, man, all I got to do is say yes, get baptized, go to church, pay some tithes and dues, and, and go to a Bible study, and everybody thinks I'm okay. Really? Is that really what a relationship? Do you think that's what Jesus made his way toward Jerusalem for? Is just that? Or do you think that there's more? This story is recorded in the book of Mark and um, in one of the Gospels. And I, I wanted to, to tell you guys this based on a conversation that I had the other day with somebody. I think it's important to, to be reminded that the Bible isn't just a book, but it's a collection of books written over, over 1,600 years, 40 different generations by over 40 different people. And the Bible itself is divided into two different parts, right? The Old Testament and the New Testament are what we call the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. The Old Testament having some 39 books, the New Testament 27 books. And the, and the Bible isn't arranged chronologically by date and by time it was written, but the Bible is arranged by category or literary form. And I wanted to be able to share that with you and give you a little bit of details to help you have, gain a little bit of understanding because nobody ever told me this early when I was growing up. And it wasn't the fact that it wasn't important. I just didn't know. And so sometimes when you read the scripture and you don't read it chronologically, it can be very confusing at times, especially when you see the same story mentioned several times in different books of the Bible. But the Old Testament is divided down into the books of law, five books of law, 12 books of history, five books of poetry, 17 books of prophecy that is divided into the major prophets and the minor prophets, five major prophets, 12 minor prophets. Um, and um, in the New Testament, the New Testament begins with four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, followed by a book of history, the book of Acts. Then, which is followed by 21 different epistles or letters, 13 of those written by Paul himself, who wasn't, didn't become a believer till later in life after he had an encounter with the Lord. And then there were 13, uh, eight other books that were written by other people like Peter and James and John and Jude. And then there was one book of, there were one, one book of, of prophecy in the New Testament, the book of of revelation that John himself wrote on the Isle of Patmos when he was exiled there. And um, Mark himself was not one of the original apostles or those that walked with Jesus, but Mark was a companion that went out with Paul on his first missionary journey. Mark itself, the book, which I thought was very interesting, they'll tell you, and I had read not long ago, where all of the, the, the passages in Mark are included in the other Gospels except for 31. Historians and theologians don't believe that Mark was the second book that was written at his, at, as would be presented in the Scriptures themselves, but it was really the first book that was written, somewhere around 50, 55 A.D. or so. 
And I, and I tell you that because here we are now, Mark is writing for us in this gospel. And here in the gospel, we're going to find inside of this story, Jesus is surrounded by a, a group of supposed followers. And I say supposed followers because this is what I know. Just because somebody's with you doesn't mean that they're with you. Are we on the same page? Yeah. I mean, just because someone says they're, they're there doesn't mean that they're necessarily there. I mean, because how many people enjoy a crowd and how many people will hop on just to, to, be, to, be, um, to be there for the ride, to get out of it whatever they may be able to get. And so here's Jesus teaching in the midst of this environment to a group of people. And what he does is he opens up the door for a group of questions to be asked that, that every one of us at some point in time are going to wrestle with. At some point in time that we're going to grapple with as believers and followers of Christ. Because there are benefits to being a follower of Christ. Man, look, I'm going to tell you, there are benefits for, for having a relationship with Jesus Christ. When you walk with Jesus, you are not the same. Why do you think that Jesus offered that invitation? Matthew, Matthew, come follow me. Do you think it was because of what Jesus wanted to teach him? Do you think it was what he wanted to speak into his life? Listen, Jesus knew that if Matthew stayed close to him, that his life would be different. Not just by what he said, but by what he saw, what he experienced. And I'm going to tell you this, man. Listen, following to Jesus, there's lots of benefits. But somewhere along the line, there is a cost that will be incurred. And here in Mark's gospel, we find exactly, exactly what Jesus explains, what it will look like. And so in Mark chapter 8, verse 27, let's begin with the reading of God's word today. And I'm going to walk ourselves through this passage this morning. And this is what the word says there in verse 27. Jesus and his disciples, okay, they left Galilee and they went up to the village near, villages near Caesarea Philippi. And as they were walking along, he asked them, he's talking about Jesus, Jesus is asking him, well, who do people say that I am? So here they are walking along. Jesus has a question, an interesting question. Okay, what, what's, what's the word? Okay, what do you mean the word? Well, what are people saying? Or what are people saying about what? What are people saying about who I am? See, that would have been a very interesting question. Why did Jesus ask that? I don't know, but he's fixing to get a response. And it says that they replied, I don't know if it was one or I don't know if it was several of them, just one of them or several of them that responded during this time. But he said, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah and others say you were one of the prophets. Okay, I hear what they're saying, guys, but let's, let's break this down just a little bit. You know, it's, it's amazing because how many times do we tell people about Jesus of what we heard instead of what we've personally experienced? Some of us are afraid to talk about Jesus because the only thing we know about Jesus is what we've heard somebody else say, not what we ourselves have personally experienced. But Jesus says, he asked the question, but who do you say that I am? What about you? What about you? And Peter, Peter the outspoken one, he stands up and he says, you are the Messiah. Now the Messiah was a Jewish term and in here, but the, but the Greek um, word for Messiah means Christ. You are the anointed one. And here's Peter saying, you are the Christ. You are anointed one. I know exactly who you are, Jesus, because you're the one that, that the Jews have been talking about going all the way back 700 years when, when the prophet Isaiah prophesied himself telling us that a Messiah would come in the midst of all the destruction, in the midst of all the hopelessness. 
It was the prophet Isaiah that promised our people that the Messiah was coming for unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given, but the government will be upon his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Peter says, I know exactly who you are. You are the Christ. You are the one that we've all been waiting for. <laughs> and Mark went on to record in verse 30, but Jesus warned them. What? Jesus warned them. Don't you tell anybody about this. To which it, if I were there, I'd have been like, what? I mean, I thought that was what we were like supposed to do. I mean, he hadn't made it to the Great Commission yet and telling them, okay, go into all the world and you know, preach the gospel. But I, Jesus, I... I mean, aren't we here learning about you so that we can tell others about you? And now you're telling us that we aren't supposed to talk about it? I mean, this is front page stuff. This is stuff you want to put on your social media page. This is the stuff you want to write a blog about. I mean, this is the stuff that you want to put up in lights. And you're telling us that we aren't supposed to say anything? The disciples would have thought. They understood. They knew. Jesus was getting ready to tell them some things. You, you don't have a clue. They only knew what they had experienced up until this point in time. And up until this time, everything had been pretty easy. But boy, was it getting ready to change. It's getting ready to change. And Mark goes on to write and record in verse 31 that Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man, Jesus, the Son of Man, must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders, by the leading priests, the teachers of the religious law, that he would be what? He'd be killed. He'd lose his life, but three days later he would rise from the dead. And it said, as he talked about this openly with his disciples. Man, as I, as I read that, I thought, what an incredible experience, Chuck, that must have been. To be able to have been sitting there in the midst of that, and here's Jesus not holding any, anything back, but in the midst of that discussion to openly talk about what's getting ready to happen that they had no idea of what they would face. And here he is talking openly with his disciples, and Peter, in the midst of what he's saying, Peter says, man, come here for a second. I to talk to you. And he takes Jesus aside and he began to reprimand him for saying such things. So here's Jesus having this conversation, giving them a scoop about what's going to happen. Man, look, guys, it's going to get tough. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. My message is going to be rejected. I'm going to be rejected. You know, but guys, let me tell you, it's not just going to be me, but it's going to be you as well. Eventually, this stuff is going to cost me my life. And if you go on to read the story, you know Jesus will say, listen, it's going to cost you too. But don't worry, because three days later after I'm killed, I'll be resurrected and everything will be okay. And here's Peter stepping in, taking Jesus by the arm, pulling him aside and saying, man, what in the world are you talking about? Are you trying to scare us? You're doing a pretty good job. Why are you being so negative? Why do you have to be a Debbie Downer? I mean, don't you know that everybody loves you? Don't you know that everybody loves us because of, of you? And Mark went on to say in verse 33, but Jesus turned around, looked at his disciples, and then what did he say he did to Peter? He reprimanded him, and he uses some pretty, pretty harsh words. Get thee behind me, Satan. Get away from me, Satan. I mean, don't you think this would have been a tense moment? 
Yeah, this is a family discussion. This is one of those times you're sitting around. I mean, this is rough. I mean, and here it is saying, he's saying to him, get behind me, Satan, especially. Man, he's talking to his buddy, Peter. This is the guy that had walked with him sometimes the longest. This, Peter wasn't the enemy, but, or then again, was he? I mean, on, on what behalf was Peter speaking? Jesus went on to say, see, you're seeing things or looking at things or thinking about things merely from a human point of view, but not from God's. In other words, Peter, without knowing it, listen, you're speaking on behalf of the enemy. You're being a tool of the enemy. It's amazing when we're walking through times of difficulty, we want to surround ourselves with, with people that will tell us what we want to hear instead of what we need to hear. You ever done that before? No. It's such a big deal. It's a huge deal. And I will explain because up until this time, man, listen, following Jesus had been comfortable. It was attractive. It's popular. And I think this will make sense. That Peter knew, people knew Peter because, not because of Peter and what Peter had done. People knew Peter because of Jesus and his relationship with, with him. And Jesus is saying, look, I want you to be my follower, not just when things are going good. I want you to be my follower. I want you to step over the line, and I want you to be in at all times, not just some of the time. I want you to be there. I mean, you know, in relationships, there are some people that are there as long as you're willing to buy them lunch. In, in life, there are some people that, that are your buddies as long as it's, there's something in it for them. Are you with me? having a conversation with Anna last night. We're talking about friendships. And I said, baby, let me tell you something. If you've got two friends, you're blessed. Most people don't have anybody. But what is a true friend? A friend is one who loves at all times, not some times. Some people just be a fish, uh, your buddy as long as you take them fishing, as long as there's some type of a benefit. But what happens when the relationship begins to be tested, when it might cost them something? You know, how many people seem to disappear and walk out at that time? And what we discover over time is just because a person may be with you doesn't necessarily mean that they are with you. And here's Jesus saying, look, Peter, I want you to be all in. But at the moment, based on what I hear you saying, you're only concerned about what's going to happen to me because what may happen to me may impact what happens to you. But what, Peter was, what Jesus was saying, just it wasn't for Peter's ears, but it was also for all of those as well as us today. And here for the first time, Jesus begins to paint a bigger picture of not only what it meant not only that, that was, there was a cost, there was a cost, not just the benefits, but there was a cost to those who wanted to follow Jesus. And look at what he said. Then calling to the crowd to join his disciples, talking about Jesus. Don't miss this. Jesus is beginning to make his way toward Jerusalem, where we know, if you know the story, that Jesus would be accused. He would be arrested. He would be beaten. He would be put on trial. You remember that. Eventually crucified for our sins. And those following him, those that were associated with him, those that, that, were, that were in his sphere of relationships would also be threatened as well. And here's Jesus wanting them to know what would take place. And he goes on, if any one of you wants to be my follower, 
you must, you must what? Give up, deny. If any one of you wants to be my follower, you must give up or deny your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. There's a lot of benefits for following Jesus, but here it is saying, look, if you want to follow me, I want you to know that it isn't always going to be about the benefits, but somewhere along the line, it's going to cost you something. And see, that's not, we don't really want to hear that. I mean, how many of us want something for free? I mean, we want to be in, we want to be in it for free. I, I want to be in as long as there's something in it for me. But there's going to come a time when we're going to have to bypass what we want to say, God, I'm going to deny myself because it's not about what I want, but it's about what you want. I'm a, and denying myself means that I'm going to have to say no to myself, and that's hard. For me to be able to follow you, I'm, not going, to have to, I'm going to have to say no to me. And Jesus is looking at the crowd, and he's also speaking to us today, saying, look, you're going to have to pick up your, your cross. You're going to have to pick it up. You're going to have to take it up to follow me. And man, I can hear the crowd gasp. Oh, he said cross. Did you hear what he said? Cross. I mean, we hear the word cross and you're so used to hearing it. I mean, it's not that big a deal to you. It's culturally acceptable. You see it on a steeple. You see it out in people's yards. You wear it around your neck. You put it on a t-shirt. You, I mean, you put it on your arm. Why people get tattoos, I don't know. I'm not against them for them or whatever, but I'm not paying nobody to hurt my body and put some needles in it. I'm not doing it. That's just me. That's just me. But when we talk about a cross, it's something that's a fashion statement. It's a fashion statement. But I promise you this, that wouldn't have been what they would have been thinking at that time. They wouldn't have been thinking about a Christian t-shirt and they wouldn't have been thinking about a, a steeple on a building. But they would have been thinking about suffering and shame and pain and embarrassment. Because those who had, who had experienced, those that are, that are there that had experienced and heard, they knew about the brutality of the cross. See, some of the ones that, were, that were, may have been listening, they would have witnessed the cries and the screams as well as the smell of fresh blood. Because Rome not only used the cross as a form of punishment, but they also used it as a, as a, as a way to incite fear into theirs, those that were considered enemies. And here's Jesus saying, look, if you're going to follow me, you're going to need to understand that to follow me, there's going to be a, a price. And I know that everything up until this point has been fun. Man, we've had a great time. I mean, we've hung out. We've, you know, we've fed the multitudes. There have been miracles. We've sat out and we've had some great discussions. You've seen the sick healed. You've seen the lame walk, the blind see. And you've experienced it all firsthand. But I want you to know that if you're going to follow me, there's coming a time that it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. And Jesus knew. He, he knew. He, he knew. Okay, let's sit down and think about this thing for a second. A cost? Okay. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. He's talking about crosses. I mean, can you imagine the doubts and the concerns and the fears that are beginning to set in? And there may be some of you sitting here today. I mean, some of those same things are beginning to set in and you're listening and all of a sudden you're become just a little uneasy. I mean, even till this time, you've been associated with Jesus. 
I mean, you've associated with Jesus, you've hung out in some Christian circles, and, um, and you've struggled maybe taking a next step because you know that taking a next step and following Jesus is going to cost you something. I mean, it's not the fact that you don't believe. I mean, you believe. I mean, good gracious, you believe and you get up and you'll be in church. You'll be in a church building every Sunday and you'll, you'll give a tithe or you'll sit in a Bible study. Um, but, I, but man, I don't want Jesus to cramp my plans for next week. The things that I've got going on in my mind that I want to do, that I know I shouldn't do, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. I don't want, I mean, I'm okay as long as, but, but Jesus, I, but that's what you want. But don't you think he already knows that? There's some people that would say, I wish somebody would have told me that up front. I mean, why did they try to push this on me and sell me a bit of goods, but they didn't tell me that it's somewhere along the line that a relationship with Jesus might cost me something. But listen, man, I'm not here to tell you what's popular. I'm only here to tell you what the Bible says, that somewhere along the line, a relationship with Jesus and following him is going to cost you. But before they left that day, Jesus would define some things that it may have been unspoken to this point. And this is what he said. Those that were listening that day, probably wondering, is it, was it really a good decision to follow Jesus? This is what he said. Listen, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. That eventually, regardless of how good of a person that I may be, all the wonderful things that may happen, that every one of us, regardless... There are no exceptions that we will die and we will lose this life. But Jesus said on to the contrary, if you give up your life for my sake, for the sake of the good news, you will save it. That in other words, every one of us are going to lose our life regardless of what you may think because death is the destiny of every man. There is no escaping that. But Jesus said, listen, to those of you who choose to give up what you're already going to lose to begin with, because of their decision to follow me and for the sake of the gospel, I want you to know this. You will save your life. In other words, what you view is maybe viewed as a loss, really isn't a loss, because whatever you lose, you are going to lose it anyway. But Jesus said, look, I'm going to give you a chance to take whatever you lose anyway, but lose it for my sake and the sake of the gospel. But in doing so, those who lose their life for my sake will gain purpose and meeting. But Jesus isn't done. Look at what he goes on to say in 36. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul? I mean, what is it like to have the world at your fingertips, to have the world by the tail, and everything you ever wanted, everything you ever needed, everything you ever dreamed of, and I know some of those people, I mean, all the money in the 401k, anything that you could ever imagine, they've got it. They've got the boat and they've got the vacation home. But Jesus is saying, what good does it do to gain everything that you've ever wanted only to get to the end of this life and to realize that there's more to this life than this life? Even though we gain everything on this side, anything that you could ever imagine, ever imagine, everything that's temporary, by the way, and end up losing your soul, which is for eternity. And you may say, well, that's not really a big deal because I don't, I mean, I, I, I believe in God, but I just don't believe in heaven and hell. I believe that when you die, there's nothing. You know, you know you're not the only one to believe that. There are other people in the past that have believed that as well, as, as well as religious people during the times of Jesus. 
The Sadducees, they didn't believe in the resurrection. They believed that when you die, your soul died as well. And it was all and over with. But then there were the, the others that did believe. They believed in life after death. And they believed that Jesus, when he came along, he even talked about death, hell, and heaven. And if I were to take a poll today, I bet you there would be lots of people that say, well, I believe, I believe. I believe that there's more to this life than this life. But it's amazing how that number over the past 10, 15 years has continued to fall. In other words, I don't really believe that there's so much about what's next, so I'm going to do everything I can to live like hell on this side. But I promise you, there's more. And here's Jesus saying, what if you're at the end of an incredible life, having gained everything on this side, yet to forfeit everything on the other? Some people say, what does it mean to lose your soul? I mean, he says, but lose your own soul. What does that mean? Jesus really doesn't say, but it doesn't sound good, does it? Doesn't sound good at all. Whatever that may be. But here they were thinking about it. Jesus begins to pose this question in verse 37. Is anything worth more than your soul. In other words, you find yourself at the end of this life having acquired everything that you could ever dream to imagine, and yet now you find yourself ready to take those last breaths. <sighs> and what would you be willing to trade? Even though you've gained everything that you can imagine on this side, what would you be willing to trade, recognizing that you've done nothing to prepare for what's next? What would you be willing to trade for your soul? I was talking to a friend this past week. We were having lunch, Rob Sullivan. I think Rob is watching now. Um, and uh, in the midst of the conversation, Rob and I were talking about, he was on a mission trip in South America when all this took place, when the coronavirus first hit back in March. And um, they began to shut down all the airports and all travel. You, you may remember that. Well, Rob was one that was on a mission trip when all this happened and they shut down the travel coming out of South America. And, I mean, plane after plane was being canceled. And there was a, there was a the American government planned for one, one plane. And he said, Sid, he said, if you remember Eastern Airlines, there still is an Eastern Airlines that, that functions. And he said it was a plane back from the 1960s that still had the ashtray things in the, in the seats. <laughs> And he said, here, they, they asked us, did we want to be on this plane? Because they were, this was it. There was no more. And they were able to fit the people that were on that plane. And there's a whole other story behind that. But what caught my attention was Rob said, before they got on the plane, he said, they didn't pay to get on the plane. They just had to sign a piece of paper. And I said, well, what did the piece of paper say? He said, it was basically a promissory note to the United States government that we would pay X amount of dollars and I said, well, how much was it? And he told me, and I thought, well, that's a lot of money. And he goes, wasn't that big a deal? And I said, what do you mean? He goes, I'd have gave everything to get on that plane. It's all about perspective. He said, man, I, I wanted to get myself back to the United States, and I wanted to get myself back to my family. And so we asked the question, what is it? What are you willing to trade for your soul? Rob said, man, just get me back. I'll sign it all over. But what would we be willing to give? Everything. Here you are getting ready to take the last breath. What would you trade 
because you already know that you can't take it with you? And Jesus answers two questions here. Two questions that we find. What do we benefit to gain the world yet lose our soul? Number two, what is more valuable than our soul? And you know the answer to both of those? Nothing. Not one thing. See, our soul is more valuable than anything we could ever acquire. That which is temporary. Because we can't take anything with us, right? Jesus wasn't done because he goes on to say some things, but he's getting ready to send them out. He knows that things are fixing to get tough. He knows that the tensions are beginning to, to, to form. He knew the dangers that lay ahead. And Jesus went on to say, if anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Do you remember what took place in the garden that night that Jesus was arrested? I don't know you. I don't know you. Even to the point of becoming angry to curse. I don't know him. But this is the guy that said, I would never deny you. I will never ever turn away from you. You know, the Bible talks about a day that one day that we're going to all have to give an account of our lives. We're not going to talk about that today. We don't have time to. But do you know that the first time that Jesus came, he came to this earth as a suffering servant because he would give his life as a sacrifice for our sins so that we no longer had to live under the penalty of sin, but that penalty was paid. But the next time that he comes, he's not coming as a suffering servant, but a conquering king. A conquering king. And maybe you're listening today and you're just adamant, man, I would never deny Christ. It was the same thing that Peter said, the one that was so bold and yet he would cave in fear, doing something that he said that he would never, ever do. But it would be Peter after the year, after the resurrection of Jesus that would eventually be willing to give his life, who would be crucified upside down, not because of what he heard, mm -mm. no, but because of what he had seen with his own eyes. And... You're here today, and, and you probably said, okay, Sid, where are you taking us? What's, what's the, what's the, tell me the significance behind this. What, what's, the, what's the takeaway today? What do you want us to hear? I want you to write this down someplace because I think this is life-changing. What I want you to hear today is this. The salvation that we talk about, the receiving of Jesus Christ, accepting the invitation to follow him, I want you to know that's free. Man, it's free. But I want you to also know this right here, that when you choose to follow Jesus, there is always a cost. That even though we may follow Jesus and accept that invitation, that whosoever shall call upon him may be saved, that that invitation that Jesus gives us, that invitation is a free invitation, but somewhere along the line, it's going to cost us. Becoming a part of the family of God is free, no strings attached. We don't earn salvation. We can't pay for it. It's by God's grace that we're saved through faith, not of works. But we, when we accept the invitation to follow him, eventually there is a call. See, this is what I know. This is what I've experienced in my life and continue to experience. It's not like it's a one and done thing. But I know that at some place, you're going to experience a time where you stand at a crossroads. You're going to stand at that place after making a decision to follow Jesus, which is even a crossroads itself. You're going to stand at a place that you're going to have to make a choice. And it's going to be, is it, is it all about me or is it all about God? Is it my plan or is it God's plan? Is it my stuff over God's stuff? Is it my agenda or is it God's agenda? What is it? 
You're going to stand at that place. Is it my will or, or God's will? And you know, it may be something that's really small when it comes to an adjustment. It may be, okay, God, you want me to get up and you want me to spend some time in your word instead of on social media. It may be something as small as that. Or for you, some people, it may be really big. But then again, it may be something just a little bit bigger. Maybe it's, maybe it's being part of a group of people where you just don't come and somebody talks to you, but maybe it's a group of people that you talk about God's word and what God's word has to say. And you're in that little group for accountability and encouragement and spiritual growth. Maybe it's something bigger. Maybe it's, uh, I know the job, the position is the right position. I know that it's, I've always wanted to do, and maybe the pay is great, but you knew that to do that, you would forfeit something else. Maybe you would have to forfeit less time with your family, or maybe you have to forfeit some things, or maybe it's an environment that you don't necessarily need to be in. Maybe, maybe it's, it's giving up a, a week of vacation to go serve on a mission someplace, or maybe it's, maybe it's going um, and getting with Brian or Allison about going on the camp this summer, serving as a missionary or a camp counselor for one of the camps. It could be something big or small, but every one of us are going to stand at that place where we have to make a choice. And at that time, we're going to have to say, God, am I willing to trust you regardless of what happens? But this is what I know. There's no way you're going to be able to avoid that. And as I look back on my life, I see so many times I've stood at the crossroads. And you know how many times I've blown it? Do you know how many times that I've made mistakes that I wish I could go back? But you just keep pressing ahead, pressing ahead, because there'll be another time There'll be another time. But at that moment, what we discover when we're at that crossroads and we're having to make a choice, we discover something that's really important. You know, who's we really are. Because what more than likely in the midst of that decision, it's not only going to be painful, but it's also going to require some confidence and trust. And that choice to deny ourselves will be challenging. It's going to be challenging. Because it may cost us to say, it may cause us to say no to something that we want to say yes to, or it may cause us to say yes to something that we want to say no to. But at that moment in time, man, there's some things that we're going to see very clearly. Whose we are. Whether or not I'm a follower of Jesus, or am I just part of the crowd? You know, it's the football playoffs, and some of you guys are dying to get home so you can see the playoffs. You know, there's a lot of people that are just fans. They sit, in, they sit in the stands. I mean, they carry the flag, they wear the T-shirt. And they're a great spectator as long as things are going. I mean, as long as the team's winning, but as soon as the team loses, they're off and they're on to another team. But what we'll decide at that time, what we'll see at that time is whose we really are and whether or not we're truly a follower of Jesus Christ. Are we just a follower? Are we a follower or just another fan? Can I ask you a question as I finish up? Here's the question. What are you? I mean, are you just a good churchgoer? Are you a, or are you a follower of Jesus? Ha, have you accepted Jesus' invitation, his free invitation to follow him, to trust him? Sure, salvation is free. But somewhere along the line, if you walk with him long enough, you're going to find that there's a cost. There's a cost to be incurred, a cost to be paid. 
What does it do to gain the whole world but to lose your soul? What's more valuable than your soul? Nothing. What would you be willing to give in exchange for your soul? What about you? I'd love to pray with you today because there's two types of people I think that are in this room today. Number one, those who've not made a decision to trust Christ for whatever the reason. Whatever the reason. I respect you for where you are. But what good does it do to gain the whole world yet lose your soul? Maybe it's because you don't believe in a heaven and hell. I can only tell you what the Bible has to say. And there's going to come a time when you take your last breath and it's going to be over. Let's just say that all this Jesus stuff isn't, it isn't real. Let's say that you get down, you take the last breath only to reason, only to, that's it, it's over with, it's done with. What will you gained on this side? Probably a pretty good life, especially if you live by the principles that we find in God's word. Pretty good life. What do you gain on the other side? Nothing, because there's nothing there. But let's just say that it's true. Let's let's just say that, that what God's word has to say is true and there is eternity and there is a heaven and a hell. And let's just say that you don't live and you go ahead and do your own thing. What, what happens when, you're, when your life is up? We all have to stand before the Lord and give an account of our lives. What will he say? Well done, my good and faithful servant. Or depart from me, you workers of iniquity, because I never knew you. Is it worth the risk? I don't think so. The older I get, the more I come to realize that the things that we tend to value, they aren't worth an awful lot, are they? See, some of the stuff that you're worried about in the midst of all this COVID, is it really worth something worrying about? Are we just trying to hold on to something? And in the midst of holding on to something, losing something that is very valuable. Would you pray with me today? Father, I thank you that your word speaks to us and it penetrates our hearts. Your word is truth. And your word is light. And your word is life. It cuts to the deepest parts of us. I pray that your word today is spoken for those of us that may be struggling here in this room that are listening online that don't have a personal relationship with Jesus would even today be that day that they recognize that we can gain everything yet lose our soul for eternity. Would they be willing today to say, I want to believe and I want to trust Jesus. For others, they're listening today. Some of us is just We're standing at that place where we're having to make some really important choices. We're standing at crossroads, and it's it's all about, is it my will or God's will? Is it my plan or God's plan? And God, I pray you would give us a sense of courage and boldness, not not just to make the right choice, but to surround ourselves with the right people that will not tell us what our itching ears want to hear, but they will speak truth into us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the word. 
Thank you for the life that it brings. Encourage us in this. Father, I pray that if there's something that we need to discuss, that we would seek out those that would help talk to us and and lead us through these discussions that would bring us back to what your word has to say. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.